Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. The nervous system is incredibly complicated, from the nerves to the brain, studying in detail is incredibly difficult. So how can we use better techniques to slice and dice and model and simulate the complexities of the nervous system, whether it be trying to use electrodes in the ear to treat chronic pain, or building reliable, cheap and efficient electrodes that can be used for long-term studies on brains? We find out about some medical innovations this week. Now, chronic pain can be a debilitating condition, especially when it is associated with something where there's no other real pathway to treatment. Chronic pain can lead to an overdependence on certain drugs or pharmaceutical treatments, which can lead to things like opioid addiction, you name it. Nevertheless, it's a really bad issue, and trying to find a better solution that doesn't involve necessarily pain management medication is always interesting. That's what researchers from the Technical University of Vienna, TU Wien, and Med University of Vienna have been investigating, and they're using a pretty exciting and hard to imagine but fascinating concept and that's by sending tiny electric shocks with very very small electrodes in your ear to try and respond and dampen chronic pain this is all published in the journal frontiers in neuroanatomy and some lead authors in this paper include Babik Tabiri, Stefan Kampusch and Stefan Gaia. Now it's a wide collaboration team between researchers from Technical University of Vienna and Medical University of Vienna because it wasn't just a simple thing as trying to stimulate with electricity a certain nerve. Now, one of the things that they've been trying to investigate and study with this experiment is actually the vagus nerve. Now, the vagus nerve is connected to a lot of the internal organs. because It consists of various fibers, and since some of them, through these various fibers, connects back to different types of organs, and vagus nerve can also be found in the ear, you can see how it sort of gives a mechanism by which you could help understand and model and study the perception of pain. And maybe once you understand that, you could then influence it. So a lot of research has been focusing on how the vagus nerve can be stimulated effectively and and gently, of course, with special electrodes to try and give it a little bit of a jolt. And by that, stimulate and perhaps resolve or clear feelings of pain in other areas. So we're talking about tiny, tiny electrodes in the ear to stimulate a nerve, the vagus nerve, that could connect to a lot of different areas. So this is not like sticking some electricity in your ear to try and shock the rest of your body into shape. It's a bit more nuanced than that. But if you wanted to do something as, as brute force as that, you first need to understand what's inside. And the human ear has now been analysed on a micrometer scale. And that's the really technically important part of this. Because without this really detailed computerised model of the ear, then finding and figuring out the best ways to interact with this nerve inside your ear just wouldn't be possible. And that's what happened. So what they researchers did is they collaborated together with Technical University and the Medical University to build a 3D computer model that could calculate the optimal stimulation of all the nerve branches inside the ear, particularly through and in relation to the auricular blood vessels, which could be studied previously in great detail. This meant they could design 
really tiny needle-shaped electrodes with their computerized model of the ear and get really detailed understanding of what would happen if they stimulated one area or another. Now this simulation on computer is interesting, but without doing this detailed work on computer first, you would never be able to try to put it into a patient. And when they did actually develop these tiny needle-shaped electrodes and tested it in patients, the results were actually pretty amazing because not only could they validate their model, they could also actually now use it to try and investigate pain. Now, a lot of this work first started out with a lot of detailed electrical engineering and medical university researchers working together. Now, to actually do this implanting process, you get these small electrodes and they're directly inserted into the ear. And you control these electrodes with a small portable device worn around the neck that creates really specific electrical pulses. And the important part here is by having this detailed model is they could actually decide what pulses to send and where. Now, of course, getting those electrodes in the right spot was actually the most difficult part of the study. That's where this detailed mapping came in. Because without that, they wouldn't know how to avoid blood vessels. And so you basically have to weave a path, thread the needle with these tiny needle-like electrodes to avoid hitting blood vessels and get right to where the nerve is. If the electrode is too far away, then you're not actually gonna stimulate the nerve. Of course, if you get too close to the nerve, then you're probably going to get too much of a signal and you could actually block or damage the nerve itself, basically because you could burn out or overwork the nerve signal and mean that it will stop sending signals to the brain and therefore not be any use. So trying to strike that balance right is incredibly important. Now that's where the detailed model of the ear and also the computer simulation makes it very easy for scientists to design the optimum way to stimulate these nerves, not too close, not too far. And this microanamical study where they went through and mapped out all the nerve fibers and blood vessels in the ear is what enabled them to actually build this model. It took lots of sexual image of tissue samples in high resolution, then making that into a 3D model and stitching that all together with the understanding of the way those nerves work. It's a lot of multidisciplinary and complicated work it required computer modelers like Babrik Debris and researchers Jenny Kanushis's team to piece that together the understanding of how to collect all that data and what all that data even meant. But now you can actually exactly decide where you need to stimulate those nerves and pick the right spot. And that computer model can also decide what kind of signal to send. And what they use is actually a triphasic signal pattern. Now, in, it's in electrical engineering, this is called a three-phase, but actually this is nowhere near what we normally use for three-phase electricity. But basically, by having that three-phase of approach, three different signals peaking and troughing at different times when overlapped, means you can actually get oscillating electrical pulses. Now, you need to have the time delay to offset each of those peaks, but you actually show that by doing this kind of three-phase method, you can get a pretty good result in actually stimulating the nerve correctly and helping give some chronic pain relief. Now, of course, we're still talking about a pretty serious medical intervention here and a pretty serious medical device. It's not necessarily going to be the be and the end all or accessible thing for treating chronic pain but it certainly shows the way we can use parts of our body to help treat a condition in another area. In this instance, using the ear to help address chronic pain through clever engineering and multidisciplinary teamwork. 
that learns from the medical university's experience along with the engineering experience along with imaging and 3d modeling science is a multidisciplinary affair and that's exactly what's on display in this paper published in the journal frontiers in neuroanatomy Now, if you picture a study of the brain or maybe a medical device, you'll probably be imagining someone with something stuck to their chest or their head or their wrist with lots of little wires coming out of it. What you're picturing there is, of course, some electrodes often used for something like electrocardiography or electromyography, ECG or EMG. Now, what's so interesting about these things is that they enable us, by using tiny variations in electrical signals, to measure all kinds of things. Your heartbeat, your heart rate, lots of other fascinating stuff that can be used to study the inside of your brain and the way signals are being fired through your neurons. The problem with all of these, of course, are these electrodes, especially if they use something like a gel, uh, they could have some liquid on the skin, they can wear out, they can peel off. Keeping them in place over a long period of time is incredibly difficult and keeps you quite literally tied down. So that means that developing a better type of electrode that is still useful over a long period of time would make a detailed, in-depth collection of data for incredibly long periods actually possible and at the moment it's just well yes literally is possible but practically it's not and that's what people like Francesco Greco from the Laboratory of Applied Materials in at the Graz University of Technology been investigating since way back in 2015 in outlined back then all the way in 2015 the so-called tattoo electrodes together with a lot of other Italian scientists now this was basically using conductive polymers that are printed with an inkjet printer, a standard inkjet printer on normal tattoo paper, and then stuck on to the skin like a transfer. And you can use it to measure muscle or heart activity. Now, that was a pretty amazing concept way back in 2015, and has been optimized and refined since then, such as in 2018, where they figured out a way to use that for ECG tests and electromyography as well. And it's so thin, when you think about it, 700 to 800 nanometers. That's 100 times thinner than a human hair. That The tattoos just mold and adapt to pretty much anything that they're put over, even uneven skin. They can barely be noticed on the body. And since the tattoos are dry electrodes, they don't contain any of this gel, they can't dry out. They're perfect for long-term measurements. Hairs can grow through the tattoo and it doesn't interfere with the signal recording. These kind of things are absolutely amazing. But of course, Greco is always looking to push the envelope and collaborating with researchers from different universities from across Europe, such as Esma Ismailova and Laura Ferrari, have been trying to figure out a way to use this same technique for electroencephalology, EEG, the mechanism that's used to measure brain activity. Now, by using this tattoo and modifying it in such a way that it can actually pick up these more of these bioelectric signals, in particular brain signals, that means we can now get a long-term study of the signals of the brain. Problem is, required a lot of work. So they took the basics from what was discovered and outlined in 2018 using an inkjet printer making the conductive polymer on tattoo paper. 
But then the composition of thickness and the, and the transfer paper that they were using had to be optimized to get an even better connection between the tattoo electrode and the skin because EEG are pretty difficult. Brain waves are in the low frequency range and the EEG signals have a really low amplitude. So we have a very low frequency and a very low amplitude, meaning that you have a high signal to noise ratio. Or in other words, what you're looking for is really small. So you need a really sensitive device to pick that up. Now, what they've shown under now tests in clinical conditions is that using this optimized tattoos can be as effective as a conventional electrode. Now, the better part is that because they're just using standard tattoo paper and standard printers, it's also significantly cheaper than making a lot of normal grade electrodes. It's a lot more wearable and you get a good measurement out of them. Now, the important part about this is that you can use them for long-term EEG measurements and even magneto encephalography measurements, MEG. Now, MEG is normally done with wet electrodes. But this is the first time they've actually developed one that doesn't require a gel or a paste. And not requiring a gel or a paste is good because it means you can do it for a long period of time without having to top it up or have it dry out on you. Now, of course, it's still difficult, despite it being a relatively straightforward idea to use available materials, it's not easily widespread used at the moment. But it could be expanded out to using clinics and neuroengineering and really give a lot of detailed brain studies more information over longer period of times which means you can better understand the brand faster complete studies and, and get new insights that would have just been possible before because now we can look over a much longer and larger window plus it's more comfortable for the people participating in the study and we can actually get perhaps a better outcome from it as well now this is some great research published in the journal flexible electronics and it shows that collaboration between a lot of different people, taking ideas from materials engineering and chemistry and applying them to a number of different areas helps make medical devices safer, more comfortable and more useful over long periods of time. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. From tattoo-like, long-lasting EEGs and ECGs and ways to directly stimulate some nerves in your ear to help treat chronic pain. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.